Last week I shared with you, and at the town hall meeting, we kind of, kind of you know, talked about the action plan to, to meet this goal, but there's a goal that's on my heart for, for Gateway Church in the ministry year. The ministry year is September now through August, all right? That's our ministry year. So we're like month two into the ministry year. Here's the goal. That 30 people would, would come to know Christ in a personal way through the ministry of Gateway Church. That means you and I, that we would see and recognize the call that is upon our lives to be a witness, to learn what it means to, to share the gospel, and, and through our ministry, see 30 people come to Christ. And I just, I believe that that's going to happen, all right? And the evangelism is going to take on a whole new role here, I believe. And we have two white roses off to my right, and those are, those are symbolic of you and I sharing the gospel and and praying with someone to receive Christ. I had the, the privilege to do that last week. I won't get into all the details of that, but that was really exciting to, to be a part of that. Elvin Wilhelm, he's on assignment right now. He's a Gideon. Last week he shared um, here at Gateway Church. Well, he had a, we had a Gideon banquet on Monday. So Sunday we shared this goal on Monday, we had a Gideon banquet at Perkins. I went to it, sat right beside Elvin. Elvin's in his 80s. And, and this guy's got a fire in his bones, doesn't he? I mean, he is always looking for an opportunity to share Christ. So he's like a pastor in his neighborhood, Elvin. And he just kind of hangs out in the neighborhood, meets all the neighbors. He's been in this neighborhood for a long time. And he's been building relationships. And so he told me, he was so excited, he told me, he said, wow, I had the opportunity to pray with a neighbor to receive Christ this morning. I was going, really, Alvin? He told me all about it. you got to hear this story. I'm not going to steal his thunder. But Marlene went off into the kitchen with, with uh, this uh, gal, and, it was, and Alvin said, it was just me and my buddy, my friend. And, and uh, I had him right where he needed to be. And I gave him the gospel. He was open and receptive. We prayed together. That's what I'm talking about. All right? You're going, well, Alvin, he does it all. No, he's called like you and I are called. All of us. Stefan, my son's here today. Look, I didn't know you were, you were the, here this weekend. Look at that. Hanging out with your other family there. I like it. <laughs> Speaking of, of Stefan, a young man was filling out a college questionnaire to help determine roommate compatibility. By the questions, do you make your bed regularly and do you consider yourself a neat person, he checked the, the box marked yes. Yes, of course I do that. His mother read his answers and knowing they were far from the truth, asked why he had lied. He said, what? What do you mean? And have them stick me with some slob? <laughs> That's not Stefan at all. 
Sounds like mom just identified a speck inspector with a log in his own eye. Today we're going to address an issue I believe most of us struggle with. I know I do. I'm prone to jump to conclusions and make snap judgments about people and their motives. I'm quick to judge. I imagine many of you feel the same way. You struggle with that. I mean, even this morning, you've made some judgments. You haven't said anything, but you've looked at people, you've thought some thoughts. Without having all of the information, we're prone to excuse our own stuff and magnify the stuff of others. You know how it goes. I'm concerned. You over here, you're curious, but he's nosy. <laughs> you got to stay with me a little bit here. I'm thrifty. You're a bit tight, but she's cheap. I drive with the flow of traffic. You go over the speed limit, but he's reckless. We laugh, but we think like that too much of the time. And that reveals a much deeper issue inside my heart. Jesus knew our propensity to judge each, judge each other, and he addresses it in the greatest sermon ever preached. We know it as the Sermon on the Mount. It was the king's manifesto. He basically said in this greatest sermon ever, you can read it in its fullness. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're looking at the snapshot in Luke chapter 6, verses 36 and following. But this is, this is the sermon. If there's a sermon that you need to, to know and understand, get to know this sermon. Make it the, the sermon that you study more than any other sermon. This is the one. I want you to, to turn with me in your Bibles. If you have a hard copy of the Word, if not, I want you to pick up your, your phone. If you have your phone, I want you to click on to Luke chapter 6, verses 36 through 42. If you don't have a version on your phone, I give you permission now to not, you know, surf the internet, but, but go to Uversion, all right? This app, it's a great app. If you, everyone, you know, you do, I'm sure you have a version on your phone, all right? But if you don't, this is a great, great resource. But today, I'm not going to project the words. I'm not going to project any outlines. You don't have an outline in the bulletin. Today, I want you to read in your own Bibles, on your own devices, turn to it. And if you don't have any of that, listen. Use your ear to really listen to these words. The greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus. All I'm doing is, is, is an echo. I'm, I'm trying to be an echo today. Trying to, 
to take his words and seek to understand what he said in this sermon and make it applicable to where you and I live. This is probably one of the most familiar verses, one of these verses here, verse 37. I mean, non-Christians know this. In fact, many times non-Christians use this one verse to talk about Christians and say this is, this is what Christians generally are like. But let's start in verse 36 of Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Verse 37. Sermon on the Mount. You're saying, why are you preaching on the Sermon on the Mount? I'll I'll give you a real spiritual answer. Because I was there. I was there. I was in the place where Jesus preached this sermon. And I said, when I get back to Gateway Church, I, I got I to gotta go to the Sermon on the Mount and try as best as I can to deliver a couple of messages because of what I experienced, what I saw. Verse 37, he said, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Jesus' words. Give, and it will be given to you. How? A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Whatever whatever you give, it's coming back to you. We're going to get into that a little bit later on what that means. He told a parable. Can the blind lead the blind? No. Will they not both fall into a pit? Yes. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Jesus is saying, if you, he was speaking to disciples, remember the context? If you become fully trained, if you understand the Sermon on the Mount and begin to live it out, you're going to be like me. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? He was a carpenter. He built houses. Many times the foundation was built out of stone. I was there in Nazareth, and and the houses were the foundation, and the first, the lower level was stone. It was masonry work. And then the next level, you know, they had just enough lumber at times, he's talking about a, a roof beam. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He's probably speaking to me. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will still see clearly to remove the speck from your bro- brother's eye. Note that Jesus does not say that we should not help a brother with a speck in his eye, but rather we should first take the log out of our own eye so that we can clearly help. This summer I was working on a few projects at home. I do that every once in a while. If you want me to do more projects at home, 
I have to go on another sabbatical. There's a lot of stuff that's got to get done. I mean, I got a lot of things done. It was just like, man, this is really cool. I, we did some, some landscaping. And, uh, you know, down on your hands and knees and planting shrubs and pulling stuff out. And, and uh, Deanna and I worked together. It was really a lot of fun, just working together, talking and sharing. And, and uh, working with mulch. And somehow I got a, I got a speck in my, my eye. And I could not get this piece of dirt or mulch out of my eye. I was rubbing it, and, uh, you know, I was just trying to move it down to the corner here and trying to, to get it out, and I would go into the bathroom, and I'd pull my, my eyelid down, and I'd try to look in there, and I just could not see the speck. It was so small, but it was there. My, my eye was running. It was getting red. Finally, I got to the point where I said, Deanna, I need help. I got a speck in my eye. Now, she didn't come this way. I got it. Can I have my little prop here, Deanna? You, you're really good at using this. It's just so wonderful. <laughs> you're going, where'd you get that? I was, look, I was going, I got to have a sermon illustration, a prop. And remember that storm that that came through Elk River in June, and I had a big 100-year-old tree that I, I watched go down as I was drinking my coffee, and it, it, it came down. Well, there was so much debris and branches and cleanup, and we cleaned up the yard pretty good, but I, I had all these sticks on my garage. And, Stefan, I was going to have you grab these sticks and with the ladder get up there, and, and I just got this last yesterday afternoon. And can you imagine if I had this speck in my eye? If, and I said, I need help, Deanna. She'd have jammed this, one of the, this big old piece of wood, branch, jammed it right. Got to be careful here. I could hurt myself, but jammed it in her eye socket, right? Just jammed her in her eye socket and said, hey, I lay down on the couch. I lay down on the bed. Let me help you with the speck in your eye. And then she's got these branches. She's got these branches sticking out of her eye. What kind of damage would she do to me? Well, what in the world were you doing out there? Why didn't you have glasses on? You should have been wearing protective glasses. You're an idiot. How come you didn't do that? And all the while, she's trying to dig that speck out of my eye with a couple of branches in her own eye, how much damage would she have done? I mean, I probably would have went blind. And she's digging around. But, of course, she didn't do that. I'm the kind of guy that can't even put Visine in my eye on my own. I mean, I just I can't keep my eye open to do that. And so she washed, she washed her hands, got them just really clean. She had me lay down in the bed, and then she, she looked around as best as she could and couldn't find. She couldn't find that speck. I, she didn't say, I know there's, a, there's always a speck in your eye, husband. <laughs> Let me get the other speck in your other eye. She didn't do that. I, she couldn't find it. She put Visine in my eye. Finally, finally, it worked its way out, and she helped me. She helped me. 
What's Jesus getting at here? We all have specks, don't we? We need our brothers and sisters in the Lord to to help get them out without passing judgment. To help us judge correctly about what is going on in my life, but without, listen, judgmentalism. That's the central theme of my message this morning. Confronting judgmentalism. For Jesus said in verse 37, Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Later in the message, I'm going to give you three steps that you and I can take to confront judgmentalism in our own hearts if need be. But first, before we do that, before I jump ahead and give you the steps... Let's first seek to understand what Jesus means. Sometimes this verse is used by those outside the faith to accuse Christians of hypocrisy. There is the perception that we as Christians are judgmental. You know that. In 2008, an interesting book was published by, by David Kinnaman, and Gabe Lyons. It's called The Unchristian. Unchristian, what a new generation really thinks about Christianity. It's based on research done among non Christian 20 somethings, millennials. Do you, do you know what they think about the church? What they think about Christianity? Nearly nine out of ten young outsiders, 87% said that the term judgmental accurately describes present-day Christianity. It's what they think about us. How much is it perception and how much is it reality? I don't know. One thing I do know is we have a perception problem, don't we? That's not new information for you. But I'm a Christian. Many of you are a Christian. We're followers of Jesus Christ. And I don't want to be judgmental. I want to try not to be judgmental. And regardless of what I do, there's always going to be critics who say, doesn't matter, you're judgmental. Okay? I understand that. But I don't want that label to stick and and stay. And the reason why I don't want to be judgmental solely because my Lord told me not to be that way. That's it. The greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus Christ. The greatest name. No higher name. He has no rivals. We get on our knees and worship this one. And he said to Paul and to you, if you're a Christian, do not judge. Okay? I'm so I'm just going, oh, great. Here I go, sh- shoot off my big mouth. I'm at the Sea of Galilee. I want to preach on Jesus' sermon. And now I'm in going, oh, man, I wish I would have picked a di- different series. It's hard stuff.
What does he mean, do not judge? It's still a little fuzzy. I had an aha moment in my study this past week. It really helped me understand. It was like, ding, 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 ding. I, it's like, I was almost so excited. I was like doing cartwheels. I was going, man, I, I, I under, you, you probably know this already, but I had this like, okay, this helps me, God. Thank you. I hope it brings clarity to you. Listen, the key to understanding what this means is to recognize that the word judge is used two different ways in the Bible. Sometimes it's used to speak of judging between two things, the act of differentiating or discerning, right? We talk about judging, judging between that which is right and wrong, between that which is good and evil, discerning, judging between that which is righteous and unrighteous. We make these kinds of judgments. We have to. Jesus is insane. You got you to hang with me because if you, if you take this out of context and just have it a standalone, do not judge or you will be judged, period. It's not a standalone. Jesus isn't saying Christians don't make any judgments anymore because you will be judgmental. No, 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 no. We have to make good judgment calls between that which is good and that which is bad, between that which is godly and that which is evil, etc., etc. I mean, later on in the Sermon on the Mount, just a few verses later in verse 45, for example, Jesus talks about having the discernment to see the difference between good people, he said it, I didn't, between good people and evil people. You can read it for yourself, comparing them to trees. He said there are good trees, good trees produce good fruit, bad trees differentiating, judging between the two bear what? Bad fruit. Seeing that takes what? Discernment. It's judging things correctly. The reality is there are evil people in the world with evil and sinful agendas. We need to discern that. That's good discernment. Elsewhere, Jesus gives a direct command to judge. John 7, 24, he said, Stop judging by mere, apparent, mere appearances, but instead, he said it, judge correctly. You know, that's why we have a solid statement of faith. If you've been here just, you know, a week or two or a month or three or five or six, and you're just wondering, what, what do we believe? What do we teach? What about the issues of the day that in our culture, what is it? We've got to differentiate. We, got, we, have to, we have to know what God's Word says and believe what God, God's Word says. We have a strong statement of faith. If you've got questions about some of the issues of the day, there's a link to, to the Christian and Missionary Alliance, of which we're a, a part of the denomination. There's positions on the various issues. That's not my point today, but I want you to know 
we have a strong statement of faith. It's important, isn't it? I mean, at some point in the journey, as, as someone who's a part of this spiritual family, or someone who's saying, I don't, maybe I want to be a part of it, maybe I don't, I'm, I'm just trying to check this out, you're going to be asking questions, and you're going to want to know, where do you stand? We're going to tell you. Even the Apostle Paul said, we are to make judgments in the church. He said in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 12, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? So judgment as discernment is not the kind of judgment Jesus is prohibiting in verse 37 of Luke 6. So there's two meanings. We got the first one. It can mean discernment between good and evil, right and wrong. Secondly, this is, this is where now we got to say, okay, what, what, what's Jesus saying to me? Or it can mean to condemn. Judgment as condemnation is what Jesus is prohibiting. Listen now particularly to the second half of verse 37. Remember, it's, it's not a standalone. It's all together. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Semicolon, condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Jesus is confronting a spirit of judgmentalism. He's not opposed to making moral distinctions between right or wrong or calling a spade a spade. We have to do that. Rather... He's confronting a critical and judgmental spirit stemming from a sense of superiority. That's what he's saying as a follower. No, that, you can't be that way, Jesus is saying. Not my followers. I didn't say it, he said it. He confronts a critical and judgmental spirit stemming from a sense of moral superiority. It's an attitude of the heart. It's what I think about somebody. And then I stand in condemnation against that person. It's a critical attitude and feeling of contempt. You ever had that? Yeah, we all have. I mean, making, making moral and right choices, I mean, there's this line where we have to do that, but, but before we jump over into being, a, being critical and judgmental, just, oh, stop, stop the train. And that's, that's something that we have to just say to the Lord, Lord, you check my heart. The idea that our worth requires someone else's condemnation. That's what Jesus is confronting. Don't be like that. So you can confront that 
by following three steps that Jesus taught and lived. And you're going to go, you're going to be amazed at how fast I go through these steps. You're thinking, oh, three steps, you just got to the three steps now? <laughs> Don't judge me, man. Just pull this stick out of your eye socket right now. Don't judge me. No. W-D-D-I-M. That stands for what difference does it make? Step one. How do I confront this critical judgmental spirit if, if that's the shoe I'm wearing? Step one. Extend to others the same kind of what? Mercy that has been given to you. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Verse 36, right on the heels. Step two, extend to others what? The same kind of grace that has been given to you. Step three, extend to others the same kind of forgiveness that has been extended to you. That's it. Mercy, grace, forgiveness. It's like taking three steps in one giant leap. You can't just have one and work on Number two and three, these are a package deal. What do we do when that, that spirit's coming upon us or we're beginning to operate in that where we're actually saying to ourselves, wow, I think I'm being judgmental. Extend the same kind of mercy that has been given to you. Extend the same kind of grace that has been given to you. Extend the same kind of what? Forgiveness. Only those who have personally tasted of God's mercy can show such mercy towards others. Everyone who has received God's mercy knows himself as what? A sinner who deserves God's punishment. If you don't view yourself that way, you won't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not, you know, I was a pretty good person, but I needed a little something extra in my life. That's not mercy. Mercy is this. I'm not a pretty good person. I'm a sinful person. I'm alienated from God. I can't save myself. If someone doesn't extend to me mercy, I'm through. And God being rich in mercy, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, I mean mercy. He, he gave me something I didn't deserve, grace. Poured it out on me. I mean, if I think I'm a pretty good person, why would I need mercy and grace? I don't see my need. But if I recognize that without grace and mercy, I'm in big trouble. Mercy's like grace in the sense that there's an emotion connected with mercy. You know what the emotion is? It's compassion. I got a speck in my eye. Deanna didn't come. She came with compassion. Washed her hands. Put visine in my eyes. Just help me. Turn your eye. Look to the left. Look to the right. Look up. Look down. That's what we need to do with one another. Verse 37b, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give 
and it will be given to you. A good measure, how? Pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus is talking about giving in the context of what? Forgiveness. We can apply this verse to material giving, but the context is forgiveness. Here's a closing thought. What difference does it make? Lord, I'm going to ask you to help me when, when I feel this criticism coming on me. And I'm going to differentiate between that which is good and right. But if I step over into, into being judgmental, I'm just going to pray. Pray instantly. I think in time our attitudes will begin to change. Closing thought, what we sow in relationships is what we will reap in relationships. If you're taking notes, that would be a good, a good thing to write down. What we sow in relationships is what we will, what we will reap in relationships. If we do not judge others... We will not be judged. If we pardon, we'll be pardoned. If we're generous towards one another, we'll we'll be treated generously. It's proverbial. What does that mean? It means, in a sense, that it's generally true. It's not absolutely true in every case. It's generally true that if I'm a merciful person, not a condemning person, not condemning others for their faults, there's a pretty good chance that what am I, what am I going to get in return? It's not the only reason why I do it. But if, if I'm not critical and I'm not judgmental and I, there's a sense of mercy coming out of me, I'm probably going to get that in return. If I'm quick to forgive, others will be prone to forgive me. If I'm generous, others will be generous. But on the other hand, if I condemn people, if I refuse to forgive, if I'm stingy, it's all coming back at me. I mean, we all have specks in our own eyes, don't we? And you think that you can get your your speck out of your own eye Here's the the crazy thing. I've been doing this ministry for a long, long time, and there are times when I think, man, Jesus, I think if it was just me and you, man, we could do this together. It's like, hello? That's not the way I, (laughs) that's not the way I did this. I didn't create it this way. You can't get your own speck out of your eye. You've done, you tried doing that, and it got worse. So I gave Deanna. Deanna came, and she helped me with the speck. We all got specks. Wouldn't it be something if, if man, we all just decided the best way we're going to deal with this is just like Jesus told us, not to be critical, not to be judgmental. That would be bring glory to the Lord.
So what I want you to do is, what I want us to do is just, first of all, just listen to this song and pray to the Lord. And then at some point, Tracy's going to have you stand and we're going to sing together. But at first, let's just, let's just come to the Lord. Lord, it's just me and you. It's just me and you, Lord, at this moment. But after this, I'm going to need some help. But I want to help people. But Jesus, I've got to pull the plank out of my own eye. And that's, that's what I want to do today. If that's your prayer, just tell Jesus that at this moment.